talking to my buddy Luke last night. He's like, are you excited for Elimination Chamber? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, why not? Well, let me tell you. What'd you think of Raw? I thought it was shit. Really? Yeah, I know. I'm obviously in the mini minority on this one. Reading around the sites I don't, and listening to people don't think talk it was about like it. Fucking terrible or anything, but it just didn't make a whole lot of fucking sense to you. I, I I know what it is. I know exactly what it is, and I have a rant. I know exactly what it is. Um, did you ever watch Twenty Four? Did you ever watch that show? Deeper Sutherland? No, no. You know what it was? I know, I, I know what it is. Okay. What's your favorite sitcom? Fuck, I don't know, man. Okay, uh, we'll just go with Big Bang. I'm not a whole, and I don't want to say that. Because you got it in there. I do watch Big Bang regularly. Well, it's just the difference in the style of television. That's really what I was going for. Oh. Because there's two very different styles of television. And I think the people that liked Raw the other night are uh, Big Bang Theory fans. And I think those of us that didn't are 24 fans. I will hear you out there. Well, I like Big Bang, and I've never watched 24, but I didn't really care for the show. So. Well, I think I think you'll completely understand my sense of logic and agree with me as uh, we get going here. You know, I kind of think about it. I don't watch a lot of sitcoms, especially like first runs. I think I'll watch Big Bang and Seinfeld. Oh, I love me some Seinfeld. But Seinfeld's another great example that would fit in here, you know. But, but like, I don't like Friends in How I Met Your Mother at all. Oh, damn shame. Uh, I, I watch a lot of car. I, I, I watch a lot of like the adult cartoon stuff, like South Park. Yeah, uh, Bob's Burgers, fucking American Dad. See, and like I, I love me some South Park, especially the older stuff. A lot of their newer stuff just misses for me. I love me some Family Guy. Love me some American Dad. Never got into Bob's Burgers though, for one reason or another. I, I think it's just the shitty animation. I like my animation a little bit better. See, I like it a little rough sometimes. You would. This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. Cross the line, I'll say the truth. No. Why don't you take it back? It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Mighty Position.com and presented by Hami Media. On today's show, Rick and I are breaking down all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, but in the 281, they call me City. I'm joined, as always, alongside my tag team partner, the Todd potato to my tubby tomato rbv rick welcome back to your show it's me it's me said r to the b to the d rick victor here and you know what i am you know in to take a lead from wwe this is gonna be historic this is gonna be a monumental first i got a feeling this show might stay under an hour 
I think the show's gonna go about six hours. Normally when I write the short run shows, those are the shows that end up the longest. So I'm guessing the six hour show. I opened this thing up this morning and immediately was, is this it? Uh, as I'm looking through, you know, you as our usual midweek rundown, you know, we kind of go through the week that was in WWE, and we, and we throw in a little bit from the other big promotions around the globe. I leave a, a few items of real interest there, and I was, especially between WWE, between Raw and SmackDown, I could probably cover those in 20 minutes. Well, you know, when you do a 107-minute match on Monday Night Raw, it kind of it cuts down the run a little bit. Um so I guess we're, we're going to kick things off with some Ring of Honor, uh, some pro wrestling news, and then we'll jump into the absolute mess that is the WWE right now. Um, when, as you were saying, when I sent you the run, you were like, is this it? And I was like, it, 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 did I miss anything? And it was just a short show. So you were like, hey, let's do some news too. And I was like, there's, there's news? Because I've kind of been patrolling the sheets and I haven't seen dick in days. Nothing in days. But you actually did dig up a few notes here and I'm pretty sure I can find some things to complain about. So let's uh, let's go ahead and kick things off with the troll that is James Ellsworth. We're going to lead with James Ellsworth? Hey, I you know me, man. I am an Ellsworth bark. Uh, right up till his release there, I was still popping for him. And now, once again, the chinless wonder has found a way to get his get himself back in the spotlight. Hey, and I absolutely, I am loving it. Well, I think there's two stories here <clears throat> that kind of go together, so I'm going to combine them. Uh, James Ellsworth has hit the indie scene and has uh, launched the World Intergender Champion, and he is catching some heat for uh, from the Andy Kaufman fans and and of course the PC Warriors. Um, I, I assume that you wanted to, to talk about the World Intergender Championship here. Of course, you know, everything that's, that's in here. Yeah. You know, when you leave WWE for any of these talents, I mean, just getting that rub from that spotlight from the biggest promotion in the world, it adds so much value to what you can do outside of that company. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Ellsworth who before he got to, you know, to lift that dream out, before he got that opportunity to step in there, the any man with two hands has a fighting chance moment. I mean, he was probably lucky to even getting gas money out on Independence Day if he was getting paid at all for these shows. Yeah, and I, I, I personally kind of feel like that's where he belongs. I'm not a big Ellsworth guy. Um, well, okay. well, he gets opportunity just because that rub. Now he's out there. And he's worth, you know, he's worth a few thousand on the independent scene for, for his booking fee. Hey, how do you make that even hotter? You take what you what you were doing in WWE and you learn how to twist it so that you can keep using that angle as you're going out and doing your own bookings. And that's what he's doing here. This is perfect. This is what he was doing when he left. This is what people remember him for. He's going to get a ton of heat with this gimmick here. I, I think it's a Brilliant move on his behalf. See, I don't think so. I think this is going to fall incredibly flat. Uh, when Andy Kaufman did this back in the 80s, the world was a very, very different climate. And women's wrestling was a very, very different animal. Uh, when I think about James Ellsworth and hitting the independent scene to try to defend a world intergender championship, my 
first immediate thought is evil lease is going to fucking waste this guy. But you're going, this is going to end up and here's a huge difference. I think there's a lot of people that are making too many connections to what Andy Kaufman was doing. You know, Ellsworth's going to have to, yes, you, you have, you know, that, that image in everyone's mind, you do have that foundation. He's going to have to evolve it into a 2018 atmosphere. The problem is there's women on the 2018 atmosphere that are better in the ring than James Ellsworth ever wishes he could be. Okay. We just, you know, go back. You're talking about how women's wrestling has changed. Andy Kaufman wasn't taking on women's wrestler. He was calling women out of the crowd and doing like, you know, shoot matches with them. That's where he was getting his heat there. He was actually embarrassing. And I'm sure, yes, they, they were, you know, there were marks in the crowd. They knew what was going on there. But, you know, he was getting that sort of heat that he was just pulling average women out. With Ellsworth here, yeah, there are some fantastic women wrestlers out there. Guys, you know, women that could wrestle circles around him. This is, that isn't the angle you go with this is. He's not going to come out like I'm a serious champion. This is a comedy bit. He's going to go out there. He, he gets his heat the way he is. He gets his ass kicked for a while, and somehow he weasels his way out of there with his belt. Either he takes off running, or he steals a cheap victory by cheating. He keeps that heat on himself. This is a comedy bit. This is a novelty side act. He's not going to be going out. This isn't some, you know, I, this is a real championship that I'm here to defend everyone. And I hope he even goes further and starts, you know, he is the world intergender champ. I hope he starts using the moniker that he is Mr. Mrs. Money in the Bank. Oh, my God. I, 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 the one thing that I am very much looking forward to in this is watching people like uh, Lion Satin just completely lose their minds. That part I very much look forward to. I just, I'm, I'm never been an Ellsworth guy, never been my cup of tea. And when, when I look at this, I just, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, meh, you know, but maybe that's just me. Uh, I, I think the other story that kind of relates to this is Joey Ryan has just bought a $525,000 home in Los Angeles and notes that the business has changed. Now, if you ever wanted to talk about a world intergender champion, it's Joey Ryan. It's not fucking James Ellsworth. Well, this guy just kind of ties in anyway, because Joey Ryan was running around with the DDT Iron Man championship. Yep. Yep, I think he's won that about a half a dozen times now. Well, and, and, you know, essentially, we don't know if they're going to be the same now, but I guess they're comparable because you know that the DDT Ironman Championship that's open for you know for anyone to challenge for. I, you know, they've had uh, and I mean, objects hold that championship. Yeah, they've, they've had. Yeah, uh, you know, a park bench happens to fall over on top of Joey Ryan and becomes the DDT Ironman Championship. Right. Yeah. You know, I think they they've had you know animals you know, like. Outside of the human species have held that championship. Once again, it don't knock it. If you haven't seen DDT and you don't understand it, don't knock it. It sounds ridiculous, but when you see it in application, it all makes sense. It's very much like the WWE hardcore championship in the Attitude Era. What's uh, But with a comedy spin. Yeah, yeah, but but done in a comedy-ridden company. What's, what's funny about this is, you know, I'm, I'm an Ellsworth mark. You're not. You like you are somewhat of a fan of Ryan. I am not at all. Right. Uh, and we, we have this comparison here between them. And then you go to speak a little more to you know he's. Oh, I was able to buy this house, uh, five hundred twenty-five in in Los Angeles. Uh, some chump chump change. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're getting into L.A., 
you know, 525 grand, that's down on, you know, third street in the hood. Well, I was going to say, let's see here. He's got a, it's, it's a simple, it's a two bedroom, one bath with a pool. Uh, and I guess, you know, his thing is that I, that I actually earned this money through professional wrestling. And, he, and he's contributing that to the passion and support of the independent fan. Yep. Well, you know me, I, you know, I, I'm more of a traditionalist. So, uh, as I educate myself on the world of professional wrestling, I tend to lend my ear towards like-minded individuals, uh, namely a, a one Jim Cornette, who also is by no means a fan of Mr. Joey Ryan. <laughs> That's but putting listen, it nicely. <laughs> when, when you listen to him, though, you know, talk about how these guys are, they brag about these certain accomplishments that they're able to achieve today. And then he compares it when he opens up his books and, you know, love him or hate him. Cornette was, it was great at tracking history. Uh, he kept very detailed books. You know, who was making who, where was the big money at? You know, how were the, even the mid card guys doing? What was that payout? You go back to the territory days when p- professional wrestling held true to its foundation and its values. Everybody was making this kind of money. Yeah. Ideally, ideally. Um, and this is territory. This obviously when you went up to work for, you know, work up in New York or in the Northeast, yeah, you were going to get a bigger pay. Or if you could go, you know, swing a couple, a two month tour of Japan, you're going to bring in a lot more cash, but they were, they were doing very well for themselves. Just working in the territory areas, you know, working their ass off way harder than these talents are today. But I, this, this just seems to me, you know, this is, an unwarranted pat on the back, and it's overhyping what the independent scene really is today. Yeah, I was just going to say, a lot of this feels like fake news to me in the respect that, yeah, I think guys like Joey Ryan are doing very well on the indie scene. Guys like the Young Bucks are doing very well. The Cody Rhodes are doing very well. I would love to talk to uh, one of the independent pro wrestlers at who work for Impact Pro Wrestling out of Des Moines, Iowa, and find out if they can go buy a $525,000 house in Los Angeles. Because I feel like we're just, we're looking at the indie scene now, and we're looking at the upper echelon of the indie scene and claiming it as a standard. And I don't think that's the case whatsoever. I think there's, you know, 25 guys on the indie scene that are killing it right now, and there's probably 500 pro wrestlers on the indie scene right now. But, you know, we're just looking at those top 25 and being like, oh, well, that's the standard. No, not not at all. What's so you always hear like, oh, they're in front of a full house. There's people so passionate about it. You used to go to any territory and they would regularly have between eight to 10,000 people on a given night. I mean, now they're just filling houses of a couple hundred. Right. And they're trying to say, you know, this is this is where it's at. It's thriving. I think it's great. I love the independent scene. I love the different styles. I love that there's an alternative product out there. But I'm not foolish enough to think that it's some over-the-top brand entity in the business. I mean, let, let, let us not forget that Joey Ryan, as much as I like the guy, completely failed in the WWE. He got nowhere. And he had to, when he hit the indie scene, much like Ellsworth is doing now, he went 100% complete dirty-ass sleazeball. And that's what got him over on the independent scene. It's not like, you know, there's, there's this huge respect for Joey Ryan inside of the IWC. There's as many people hate him as love him at this point, but he's a polarizing figure and 
As Eric Bischoff once said, controversy creates cash. Let's look at another controversy that kind of happened to spring up here in the Hameen Media Discussion Group in the last uh, couple of hours before the recording of this episode. I can't believe that I'm actually going to comment on this. The cat daddy himself, Alistair Black, and Toddy Potato have their own Instagram account. Has Black overexposed himself? No, not even a little bit. I wouldn't go as far to say not even a little bit. You know, initially when I when I saw this post pop up, you know, our colleague over at the Hacker Hobby Media Group, who's been doing it just a, a fantastic job covering Wednesdays in the locker room, Andrew Bello, you know, he immediately, you know, his reaction was that that something like this infuriates him more than even Braun in the in the elf costume. See, and I don't get that whatsoever because the Braun in an elf costume thing was released by WWE as Braun Strowman. We're talking about an Instagram account that has 5,861 followers, one or 309 posts, and we are just now hearing about it. It's Alistair Black's cat. It's not like he's tagged, you know, Toddy Potato underscore WWE. This is just a... Instagram account for his cat. Who cares? And I, I have to agree. You know, I initially, I, I kind of went to Andrew's, you know, his behalf took to his side and it was more so that I'm starting to tolerate a little more of what they're doing with Braun because they're trying to give, they're trying to portray his actual, his person, his, his actual personality traits into that character. Uh, as on this show, as in the locker room, you know, I've said before, they're, they're maybe they're trying to use a little bit of that blueprint as they did with like Austin and Rock, but with someone like with Braun, what is scary is if you tread, you have to, you know, you have to watch how you tread that line so that you don't, don't move over into like Big Show territory where he becomes a joke, right? Which is where I think Braun is already. Well, and as I was replying there, it actually I kind of just came to me that. Maybe that's their plan. Uh, Braun got over, you know, kind of organically. You know, they wanted him. They, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. He almost murdered our, our wanted, you know, our baby in Roman. And these people are cheering him. So maybe they're pushing it so far that they will eventually. They Just know where they're going him. with this. Yeah, build him up so that you can bring him all the way back. You have him crashing down, and Roman can reclaim his throne. Oh my God. I think I just puked in my mouth a little bit, but, but anyway, as, as I was, you know, I was typing that out to, as a reply to Andrew and, and coming to his defense and supporting his side, you know, I actually, I said, I thought to myself, you know what? I need to click on this Instagram account and see what this really is about. So I go over there and if there is no mention to Dallas, their black character to WWE to NXT, whatever. No, the only thing is he's in a couple of the pictures with the right. cat. And I think, you know, so many of us have said this before. In today's age, you know, with the the way of social media, how we interact, yes, we do want them to portray themselves in a certain light when they are also using their WWE fame. Right. I, I have to agree with you here. I think I can give this a pass because this has nothing to do with the one with the other. We do have to give them a personal spot online. And as long as they're doing it, you know, away from 
at WWE, then I think that's fair. Uh, let me ask you something. Are you, are you a cat person or are you a dog person? Uh, I really don't care for any animals, but if I had to choose, uh, I'm going cat. I, uh, I had a dog once upon a time. It was a little rat terrier <clears throat> named Pepper. And Pepper was the most annoying fucking dog I've ever known in my life. Like, I legitimately hated going home just because I would have to see my fucking dog. Actually, my wife's fucking dog. First wife, not this one. And uh, ever since then, I've, I've been very much a cat person. And the reason I'm a cat person is because, number one, they're self-efficient. They don't need humans. And number two, fuck you. Because that's the attitude of a cat. If I want cuddles, I'll come and get them. If I want your love, I'll come and get them. If I want you to leave me the fuck alone, I'll let you know that too. That sounds an awful lot like Aleister Black. I have no problem with him being a cat person. It totally fits his character. So, man, suck it. Um, Even the sailor hat? Yes, even the sailor hat. <clears throat> Maybe he's a big Kyrie Sane fan. You never know. You never know. Uh, let, let, let's... Uh, Jump in to a little bit of Ring of Honor, and uh, I think this last news story is related directly to Ring of Honor. CM Punk trolling. Some people say teasing the all-in. I think he is just completely trolling the all-in crowd. And then you ask me here, would Punk versus Omega sell 10,000 seats? I think Punk versus Omega would sell 20,000 seats in Chicago. I don't think it would sell 10,000 seats anywhere but Chicago, but in Chicago, it might sell 20,000 seats. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So what's the, I, I know this was, this was picking up quite a bit of steam. You know, people were really jumping on this and it's, I'm not it's a, so I'm not funny, a, man. Did you look well, at the Twitter post? I was going to ask you to kind of explain it to me a little bit. Cause you know me, I'm not a huge punk mark. This is all it was. I, I, whenever I see something with him, I, I kind of just take it as a grain of salt and I pass on by because, you know, I assume maybe not that he is completely trolling the fans, but there always seems to be an ulterior motive or objective when punk is involved, especially with social media. I, I, I think this is just CM Punk trolling people because here, here's what happened. CM Punk announced that he is going to be running a marathon <clears throat> In October in Chicago, one of the young bucks replied to him and said, how about we run a marathon in September? And Punk says, well, I'm done to run a half a marathon in September. And that was it. And then he put up a gif of Superman and the joke going over his head. He's trolling people. And he even, he even told the Young Bucks, the joke is over your head. And people like t saw this story and ran with it. Punk's teasing all in. No, he's fucking trolling the shit out of you because he's CM Punk. And that's what Punk likes to do. Well, you see, I'm not even going to give so much credit to Punk here. I'm going to say this hype got going because of the great, the great marketing minds of, of the Young Bucks. It's all the Bucks, man. It's all the Bucks. Hey, man, we got an opening here with we know what people are going to jump all over and start talking about our projects. They're talking about our show. Hey, we're going to get our two cents in there. You think the Bucks don't hear all this talk? You think you think the Bucks can be as big a marks for themselves as they are? And hey, I'm a young Bucks fan and they're totally marks for themselves without any question. That's the entire basis of the young Bucks. 
You know, at least they take it and they run with it, which is something I can respect. They're not trying to be something they're not. They hear everything. Everybody knows that they want Punk on this show. Punk knows that they want him on this show, whether they've talked about it or not. He knows it. He knows he can sell 10,000 seats in Chicago in a wrestling match. The question is, does he want to? And I don't think he does. Right. You know, unless the opportunity is, is something unique for him, I don't think he wants to go out there and perform or anything. I, I don't, but I don't think he would be opposed to working out some deal for an appearance or something. I, I, I really like your idea of punk on commentary. I really like that idea for that show when you do a DVD release. I really, really like that idea. I, I, you know, I think if you do the DVD release, and I always say DVD release because I don't think they should come. And a little bit of news actually just broke here, just popped up that I'm seeing. Uh, I guess I'm just going to lead in with to ties into what I've been saying. Cody Rhodes has been asked if this will be streamed or televised. And his immediate response was, no. We need to see how initial ticket sales go. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, if the show sells out immediately, yeah, sure. Might right. as well. Yeah. yeah. Then you go hit that cash cow, but you don't come right out. You know, you don't want to give people a reason not to travel to the show. And you're hanging your whole hat on 10,000 tickets. Yep. I mean, that's not your whole hat, but that is your goal. You know, that's what kind of started this, this entire thing. What you, I mean, the end game is make make as much as much money as you possibly can. But if you don't hit that ten thousand, then it's kind of seen as a failure. That was the reason you're doing this. Now, like perfectly, just like you said, if they know they've got that ten thousand, then go ahead and make that deal because there's a lot more money on that table if you can stream this thing somehow. Yeah, absolutely. But you but you don't shoot yourself in the foot and give people the alternative to stay home and watch it on pay per view. You right. want people travel into the show from everywhere. Well, and then even if you don't have, even if you end up not streaming it, there is a ton of money to be made. We you know we've seen that model from Pro Wrestling Gorilla with the DVD sales. Yeah, and it, let's face it, the Young Bucks and PWG are like peas and carrots, man. And if you got Punk doing, you know, working on the commentary for that. Uh, just, you know, tack on an extra nineteen ninety nine for that damn thing because people are going to eat it up. Oh, you know what just occurred to me? You know who I want is my commentary team for that show. I would buy, I would pay 20 bucks for the DVD just to hear this commentary team. CM Punk and Colt Cabana. That's initially who I thought. Uh, I, I would just, my only worry would be. Them killing think, each other? I, I think they would probably overdo it. Uh, you, I think you would have to have another voice in there and go to a three-man. Let someone actually call the thing. I, I think those two would make it so much about themselves. Oh, I think there's a lot there, man. I think you could actually do a Punk versus Cabana on this show at this point because uh, it seems that those two have had a bit of a falling out in recent years. But that may be for another episode. Uh, let, let's uh, go ahead. Let's stick with ROH and CM Punk and the Young Bucks and God. Wouldn't how much would ROH love to have CM Punk right now? Well, it's just like you said. They, they definitely would want him for a ten thousand seat show. I mean, any promotion in the world, and I'll even say WWE that they could fully utilize Punk in any way. Anybody would want him right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, let, let, let's talk about the ROH episode from this week because there, there was a lot of uh, information that came out on this show, and I think some of it may actually pertain to the All In show. Uh, number one, the show starts off with a promo from Bully Ray, who has uh, now announced himself as the enforcer of ROH. He's not the authority figure. He's not the general manager. He is the enforcer of ROH. He cuts a nice little like mission statement kind of promo announces that tonight is going to be all about thriller and no filler. So I thought that this was going to be a very, very special action packed episode of ring of honor. It was okay. It, it just, the way bully built it up, I thought this was going to be a really special show and it was just another episode of ROH. And I'll tell you what, I had a hell of a time piecing together this episode. I had to go find the bits and pieces everywhere uh, because the airings that I've been able to find, even over at uh, ROHWrestling.com, they're still showing the episode with the the six-man where Bully revealed himself oh, as really? a, a new authority type in the company. I, I guess what I can gather is, I don't know if they're a complete week behind, but they released that new episode there every Friday on their dot com. Interesting. So there'll be two more days and then they'll have this episode. But I found it. I, I found this episode and I got everything that we have to talk about. Yeah, I did kind of think that was a little peculiar, but then I thought, you know, that's just you just needed that that more impactful speech. Yeah, it, it was basically just, it was a mission statement. This is this yeah. is what ROH is gonna be going forward. And then it was just kind of meh. Uh, so the the show actually kicks off, which I thought was ironic, that we go from Bully Ray to SoCal Uncensored, which is in, on this show, there's no Daniels at the beginning. We, we just have Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus the Young Bucks. And once again, as the Bullet Club turns, match starts off, Cody enters as your guest commentator. And immediately, you know, there's something going on here and I need to pay attention to what it is. Uh, before we jump too far into the match and what happened in the match, I kind of want to spin off a little bit into being the elite because that was released on Monday as well. So we're seeing more and more tension on being the elite kind of going on here. I think we both acknowledge at this point, Cody is definitely the heel. The young bucks are being incredibly manipulated and it seems a wolf pack split is absolutely coming. Is that kind of what you got out of being the elite this week? Yeah, definitely a, a great continuation from what we've seen where Cody was really laying that groundwork where he was really just trying to play that puppet master and take people in different directions uh, and that's what he's continuing to do here. And then you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the Hollywood versus the Wolfpack split. You know, we've just seen they're even they've launched it themselves. You know, I, I shared the meme myself over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook asking, are you team Cody or are you team Kenny? And, it, and but they're turning it right into that marketing tool. Let us know by going to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yep, they're fucking genius. The only thing that I found missing, and the team that I'm finding myself on as I'm watching this thing play out, I'm Team Tongan, man. Tama Tonga was the most interesting thing that I saw on a wrestling show Monday night. And all he did was sit there and watch. He did absolutely 
nothing. While Kenny and Cody are going at it, throwing chairs at one another, everybody's trying to keep them apart, and Tomatonga's just sitting there with his sunglasses on, just watching the whole thing play out. Uh, Too you, man, sweet it- me, bro. As, as the bullet turns, I mean, this is so complex. It's coming at from so many different directions. I, I, I say it every time we start talking about this is absolutely the hottest story going on in the entire world of professional wrestling. I would feel so much better about this if I really genuinely thought that New Japan was actually going to put some steam behind Tamatonga. Like, it's just like, you know, they warm him up. And then he falls back down. Well, we I, warm I him up and, oh, here we go, here we go, it's going to happen. Oh, no, no, not yet. Well, I was going to say, I, I've asked you this before, and but I want to bring it up again, and, and, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about it down the, down the road as well, because, you know, mainly because, you know, each and every time out, the, you know, we're getting more and more listeners here in the Pro Rest, or the, uh, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I mean, our numbers are growing every week. Each show is topping the last. Thank you for that, by the way. So I, I don't want anyone to miss out, but you know, maybe if they're not in as in tune with New Japan as you are, and as now I'm starting to really in, in invest myself into that product and doing some research, he's one of those talents. It seems that they they let that some slack out of that leash every so many years, maybe. Yeah, about once every a other year, year. Once a year, uh, every other year. It's like, oh, here comes you. the big Tamatonga push. And, and then, wow, they are quick to, to yank him back in. Yep, yep. And they and they really, it seems like they don't see him any more than a tag team player. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and I think part of that, it would be a whole lot easier to have Tamatonga kind of break off from Tongaloa and do a singles push if there was a little bit more to the tag division inside of the heavyweight division in New Japan, the Gorillas of Destiny have been the staple that has kind of held that division together now ever since Anderson and Gallows left. You take them out of the tag division, and what in the hell are you left with? Well, I, I'll tell you one thing I'm looking forward to with the Gorillas of Destiny staying in that division, and you talk about another another wrinkle in all this great drama Golden it's Lovers not, versus G.O.D. No, even it, more interesting to me is we got the Bucks on their way up to the heavyweight division. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, actually, you're going to get kind of a, a three-team fiasco going on inside of that. It's going to be very interesting to kind of see how this thing plays out. Um, so let's go back to the uh, this episode of ROH. Uh, Cody on commentary. I thought it was very interesting that Jarrah Cruz was advertised during this match, by the way. I thought that was very intriguing. Full, like, lower third graphic on the ROH TV. It wasn't a commercial. It was, like, on ROH TV well, advertising I, I thought, the Jarrah Cruz. I thought, that was, I thought this was great placement because I see, you know, Bullet Club's going to be involved there. And yep. Ring, we already know Ring of Honor is also involved. Yep. Yep. Uh, which begs the question, if you can't get Punk, do you do Jericho? For all in, you know, at this point, I'm getting everybody that wants to come on board. Yeah, that is true. That is true. If I can get, if I can get all of those guys, because hey, everyone's you, ten thousand seats is nothing to bet your eye at. Yeah, no, no, no. WWE struggles tr- drawing ten thousand seats in Chicago anymore. And so. if you really want to maximize your profits, if you can open up every avenue possible. For that cash flow to come towards you, and if you can get the seats gone, if you can do the meet, if you can do the meet and greets, 
You can do the DVD sales. You can do the live stream. I mean, you need as many superstars, mega names on deck as possible. So the Young Bucks take out SoCal Uncensored. After the match, Daniels comes out, takes out the Bucks. Remember, Cody's on commentary. Christopher Daniels is just lighting up the Bucks. Back comes Kazarian. In comes Scorpio Sky. You got a three-man beatdown on the Young Bucks. And Cody's still sitting ringside on commentary. To the point where even Colt Cabana's like, are you going to do something? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do something. Yep, yep. Here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, here I go, here I go. I'm going to do something. I'll, I'll, I'll be right back, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something. Until finally Hangman Page comes out with a chair and makes the save. And then Cody finally jumps in the ring. Is this uh, payback for a couple of weeks ago? And where the hell were you while uh, I was getting beaten down by the kingdom? Oh, that's exactly what I thought when I saw it there. You know, is Cody had a great deal of doubt. You know, why they weren't at the arena earlier when he was getting his ass handed to him? Uh, I think there's a little bit of that. There's a bitter taste. And he wasn't, I guess, here not as willing as to forgive and forget as maybe most people, you know, would think he would be. As the Bullet Club turns. Just fascinating stuff, man. These guys are just knocking it out of the park right now. This is going to be the story of 2018, I'm quite sure. Uh, then we then we go to a backstage vignette on the Briscoes. We finally find out that we are going to get Briscoes and Machine Guns at the 16th anniversary show, March 9th. This 16th anniversary show, they started releasing some matches for this thing. This show is going to be ridiculous. You also have Cody versus Matt Taven announced on this show, which very much looks like it's going to be for the Ring of Honor. Cody's Ring of Honor, which Matt Taven's running around with now. You have Marty Skrull versus Punishment Martinez uh, confirmed for the March 9th show. I assume that is going to end up being a number one contenders match. That's very much what I expect there. Then, of course, we have Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal, and I assume that we're going to get yet another match between Kenny King and Silas Young, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, we also had the Women of Honor on this show, and I was talking to Jersey Mike last night as I was watching this, and he was pissed. They didn't show these matches. What, what did you think? Did you Now, when you went... Online, did you go to ROHWrestling.com and actually watch these matches, or did you see what they aired on the show this week? I saw what they aired on the show this week. So basically what you end up with is highlights from Kelly Klein defeating Bonesaw Brooks and Deanna Perrazzo defeating Holly Dead. And each match you probably get like, I don't know, maybe a 30-second highlight package, and then a two-and-a-half-minute split screen sit down interview with both talents introducing them giving you a reason to give a shit about them i thought this was way better than showing these matches what did you think of this approach i i, compl- I completely agree with you you know there are there's so many people out there that still just cannot buy into i i, I you know i'm just gonna say it. i can't buy into the fact that women's wrestling is still a novelty act right it is a side attraction. Hey, it doesn't it doesn't knock it in any way. It's still a great thing to have there. It, it, it's a it's a great attraction to have to your featured bouts, especially when you're in the middle of launching a division. Though, 
I thought this was way smarter than showing the match with two talents I just don't give a shit about. Well, at this point, too, you know, Women of Honor has always been treated this way. This is the most airtime they're getting on their actual program than they ever have before. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a slow burn to, for their audience to begin to accept it and learn about it. And also, once you do get invested, hey, you see a little bit of that match, you see those highlights, and then you see the packages where you get to learn about these talents, that is going to push you to, go, yes, go online. Go to ROHwrestling.com. Uh, you know, go to any other outlets where you find professional wrestling to try to seek out these matches. You know, it's going to drive their different you know, platforms, how they advertise themselves. You have to make people give a shit about these talents. Otherwise they're just plain not going to watch them. And Jersey was asking me last night. He's like, well, they showed Brandy's match last week. And well, yeah, we all know who fucking Brandy Rhodes is. We don't need a sit down interview with Brandy Rhodes to introduce her character to us. We already know. Deanna Perrazzo, Holly dead. Meh. I know I kind of know who Deanna Perrazzo is. I know her more so by name and reputation than I have seen her work. Well, I was going to say, the, probably the re only reason you really know Kelly Klein is because I talk about her all the time. Right. And I had never even heard of Bonesaw Brooks before. You know, I thought this was a very, very smart, intelligent approach done by Ring of Honor. And I thought the vignettes were done well. I had absolutely no issues with it. Um, anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to ROH, New Japan? Oh, I guess I should tell you, Kenny King did, uh, regain his TV championship over Silas Young on this episode. That's your main event. So I assume we will see a rematch for that championship once again at 16th anniversary, because we can't get enough of Kenny King and Silas Young beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that, it's a good program. The, the card, the card's filling out nicely. You know, they, it's going to be something that people want to tune in and see there. I, I am kind of curious going back. I wonder if any or how many of the women of honor matches will make that. I, I, I could see them putting one of the more marquee matches on there. Cause don't we have like Emma versus Brandy? Yes. I think that would be because as you said, you put, you include that, you know, those faces and names that are going to be competing against one another on any of your promotional material. People immediately know who that is. Yep. Yep. They, they know the backstory. They have a reason to be invested. They're going to pay attention to it a little bit. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, anything else that you wanted to touch on outside of WWE this week? Man, I, I know what I'm sitting here going through the news. I've seen if anything is popping up here. It's been a really slow week. But uh, I know, I, I guess I'm just like in denial, just trying to do anything. But <laughs> I guess we'll go ahead and jump on it. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to smoke a cigarette because I'm going to need a cigarette before I talk about Monday Night Raw. And uh, we'll just make all of segment two our WWE talk because it's not worthy of doing two segments, one for Raw and one for SmackDown. This week. So uh, let's let's go ahead. We'll break here and uh, we'll spin the tune. We'll be right back. Looking at your window, hoping 
Okay, Rick, so let's jump into the WWE for the week. Uh, we've, we've got the Raw Elimination Chamber go home, and then we had what kind of felt like the Fastlane go home, and then, you know, it really wasn't because we're still weeks away from Fastlane, but I, I actually felt like SmackDown was more of a go-home show than Raw was this week. Uh, but I, w- I want to start with this. Uh, there, there's some people that absolutely loved Raw this week, and there's some people that absolutely hated Raw this week. Uh, and and I think I finally figured out what it was when you watch TV, there's two different kinds of TV shows. You have TV shows like 24 and you have TV shows like the big bang theory. Some TV shows are, you have to watch it every week. And there's an overlying story that you have to watch as the whole thing develops. And if you miss a week, you're completely lost. That's like 24. That's the kind of TV that I like to watch. Then you also have shows like The Big Bang Theory. While there's an overlying story arc, you can just catch one episode. And that's all that you need to watch. And then you can catch another episode in another couple of months. And yeah, you might have missed something, but chances are you'll get caught up throughout that half-hour episode. And you can just enjoy a one-off episode. As a one-off episode of Raw... I very much enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed the gauntlet match. I thought the gauntlet match was good. It might have been the best gauntlet match I've ever seen. But I want to watch 24. I want you to build to the Elimination Chamber. I want you to start building to WrestleMania. I want an overlying story arc. Not just a weird, random, one-off show like The Big Bang Theory. That's kind of where I'm at with this episode of Raw. 
Where, where did you fall? Well, you know, this did spark great debate amongst, you know, fans from, from casuals through, through marks to smarks. And in, as you're sitting there listening to some individuals, you know, try to defend their stance, it's easy to, it seems that on the surface that people are on just way different sides of the spectrum here. But as I kept mentioning, it's each side, why before they get into their defense, seems to be throwing out there, well, you know, it could have been this. So I, I'm very much in the middle. I really didn't have any problem with the actual match itself. And I do want to dive into, you know, some different aspects of that there, but I didn't have a problem with the actual match itself. But where, where this was taking place, why it was taking place made little sense to me. What was the exact reasoning for it? What did this do to really sell the match that they should be selling, which is the actual chamber match, which is happening at this Sunday's event? And that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Like I almost feel like this gauntlet match was probably better than the elimination chamber is going to be. Like that's that's half my problem with it. Well, and I and I agree with you there that you you know you kind of have set the bar. Steal anything from from Shandis and Cesaro there. <laughs> I mean, you set the bar with, and this this goes back to a recent article covering Stephanie McMahon where she had mentioned. I mean, she blatantly came out and said they don't need a rhyme or reason, and we all know how they are on buzzwords in WWE. And this is why I mentioned it at the top of the show. She blatantly came out and said, we don't need a reason to do this. We just want to make sure that we are constantly pushing history-making. First time ever. Yep. These are buzzwords that are important to the company right now. And you see a cycle within WWE about every six months, you know, somebody in up and higher management gets something up their ass where they are hot on a buzzword and they will just drive it into the ground. Yeah, I, I feel like really the entire purpose of this episode of Monday Night Raw was we are going to take 66 minutes and show you that Seth Rollins is a big deal again. I think that and once we actually get into the match, that's one of the positives. But to me, this is. I, I don't know. I would, you know, people were big on this, like, oh, you know, this was something different. It, but at least they didn't come out with the thirty-minute open. Well, just because they didn't do the worst possible thing, that means this is a, is was a, the right move. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm very much with you on that. And I don't think, and even in this match, from from the majority of us that are watching it, and I'm and I'm going to say this from you know the casual, the mark, the smart. When we watch a wrestling match. For the most part, you know, there are a few things. You, you just mean you want to be mainly, you want to be entertained. You want those pop moments and you want excitement. Right. Then there are individuals who have lived the life, who have been there. You know, one that we are particularly close to is Ben Hamid. And when you sit in, and you really listen and take in his viewpoints and watch a match through and, and try to watch a match through his eyes, it is. It becomes very easy to start picking apart when they're just actually playing to those casuals. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, a chain of events. Why? Why is this happening? Where does this make sense? And it's just not. You know, it's just not Ben's word. If you go, you know, listen to anyone that's been a trainer or someone that's worked as an agent. 
hell, anyone that's you know been to that high of a level, they're going to break it down like that for you. You know, the very the very basics of professional wrestling work best when it is truly believable. When you subconsciously you don't even know why, but it's like, man, that could really be happening there. So let let let's talk about the gauntlet match itself. Uh, Roman Reigns starts off the uh, show. You get a little bit of a Roman Reigns promo there. And here we are less than a week away from Elimination Chamber. We're about a month and a half away from WrestleMania. And these crowds are just eating Roman alive, man. As soon as that music hits, you hear the yay boo where the crowd pops and then they start booing Roman. And just the entire time this guy is talking, the crowd just cannot stand this guy. And now we hear Elimination Chamber is not selling well. Well, why? Because we all know Roman Reigns is going over. You're putting over the one guy that nobody can stand in a match where the live crowd can't even see half the fucking match because of this goddamn monstrosity of a chamber. Who Who's going to pay? I looked up last night, $560 for floor seats to not be able to see the match and watch Roman Reigns go over. See, I, I personally, I don't want to completely buy into it. It's just that we know Roman's going over. That is like the easiest, you know, way to point the finger at him. I want to go even more. I said, okay, you know, that's fine. If we know he's going over, come on, let's, let's not even fool ourselves. We always knew 99% of the time, Hulk Hogan's going over. But people liked move, Hogan. That's the uh, difference. <laughs> Not, not always. Well, not towards the end of his run, but yeah. No, no, he was Hollywood. I mean, he had that heat. You know, you, you, well, you wanted you wanted those payoffs when he got his ass kicked, but most of those times you knew he was going over. See, when you say when you say Hogan was going over, my mind goes to WrestleMania three and that but, era of Hogan, not Hollywood. That's that's fine. You know he's going over, even if you like him. That's fine. If if you're a fan of his or Roman or not, because he does have a good deal of fans out there still. They're just not the vocal majority. The main problem is that it's not that we know what's happening. It's that this is more of the, not the destination, the journey. They're not even putting any effort to, to even try to sway us. To even get, they're not even trying to get us maybe to even to feel sympathy and, and sway towards Roman's side. They're doing nothing with him. Now, I really didn't understand. I don't think that they need it. The promo here at all. I agree. Uh, I actually would have brought him out second. I would have let that crowd pop for Seth. Let that buzz still be going and then bring out Roman and it's, ooh, they're starting off with the Shield Brothers. Yeah, you get a little bit of intrigue. Yeah, there's a little bit there and you don't have that time to really adjust to those fans that that are going to settle in and let you hear it that, hey, we don't, we dislike Roman. Hey, and let's face it, how they did this, first, second, whenever you bring him out, he gets pinned first. It's, hey, let's get Roman out of the way, so maybe they're, they're forgetting about him right now. Yep, and no more sign of Roman Reigns on this show. Let's let's keep him as an afterthought so that when he goes over, you know, maybe we can slide this under the radar. 50-50 booking, first guy out, guy that's winning on Sunday. I mean, that's just, that, that was immediately my first thought. When Seth came out, I was like, oh, Seth's going to be at Roman. Well, you see, a lot of my issues here with with this match is how they placed these entrants. Uh, I, I will agree. I would 
that you have Roman out there with him and Seth is the first two. I mean, that does get you, that. That's an eye grabber. Ooh, the Shield brothers, they're getting ready to square off here. Right. But I would have put Seth out first to get that pop. I don't think you need – you don't need a reason. You don't need to give people a reason to shit on Roman for with no payoff. Right, right. I think probably the best part of this match would be the second part of the match, Seth Rollins versus John Cena. At the end of this match, we're now 56 minutes into the match, and we know that we are in this thing for the long haul. But I think this is probably the most intriguing part of the match because there's something going on here with John Cena, man. I I can see it clear as day now. He's not pandering as much. He's way more aggressive. He's kind of being a douchebag. Even when he's pandering to the crowd, he's being a douchebag. There's something going on here with John Cena. You've been saying this for weeks, and my reply each time is, I think it's brilliant. I think this is one program that they are getting right. This is a this is a great story for him. This isn't, and a lot of people, are, you know, you're saying he is getting frustrated. You know, he's looking at where he's been, where he's at now in life, and he's starting to question himself for the first time. You know, I, I've heard some people like, "Oh, this is this is it. They're going to do the heel turn," and that's just asinine to me. There's no reason to do that. You can tell just as good of a story by just projecting John's inner struggles. What happens when Superman loses his powers? That's kind of what I feel like is going on here. Yeah, you kind of you we've seen that. Uh in that one of the bases of the the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Yep. You know where he starts doubting himself and those those super abilities are no longer there. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that's the theme of that entire movie is, you know, when you believe in yourself, that there's a superhero in all of us. Yep. And I feel, I feel like that's kind of the story that's being told here with John Cena, regardless of what side of the healer face spectrum that he lands on. I feel like that's the, the bigger story going on here. I, I think that this is one of the, the hottest stories that they're going to possibly tell. And as I said, this is the perfect this is the perfect setup to the dead man coming to put him out of his misery for the undertaker match. And then even going into next year, post WrestleMania, you got an incredible year long story about John's final run at his, history and redemption, his road to redemption after being put down by the undertaker. It, and it's well, And it just so happens that his road to redemption is history making number first 17. time ever 17 time. Well, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I, I honestly think this might've been my favorite John Cena promo in, in all the years. I think this may have been my favorite John Cena promo. It was, now, it was really good. Now these promos throughout this thing, what, what did you think of that? Um, well, my number one thought went to how disrespectful is this? And then, uh, I was listening to, uh, one of the post shows that I listen to that always has a live correspondent. that's the part that I really want to hear. Um, they didn't see any of these promos inside of the arena, which I thought was kind of odd. I mean, normally when you, when you have a backstage promo, they air it on the Titan Tron, but of course the match was going on. So I thought they were still going to air it on the Titan Tron. And I thought, oh my God, how disrespectful to the two guys in the ring. They did not do that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of impartial on it. It definitely takes your focus away from the match that's going on. 
I'm not sure if I like it or not. It's definitely different. I'll applaud them for I, that. I actually, I, I'm on, I'm on two sides here. I don't think that it did. It didn't do anything to add intrigue to what's happening Sunday. Uh, Cause it was kind of, you know, what was expected there and kind of the things that they've been saying all along. I did so like the, that. So they let, add it. I did like that. They let everybody kind of state their case which is something that I think has been missing from WWE for a very, very long time. Well, one thing I did like about it is it broke up the monotony of the match. Yeah, yeah, especially when you get into the middle section of this match uh, because Seth Rollins versus Elias goes about 10 minutes before Elias finally puts Seth out of his misery. That's It was just like Seth is gassed. And there's no shame in that. I mean, he lasted 66 minutes. He gets a nice standing ovation from the crowd. Do you think this accomplished what they were going for? Does this establish Seth Rollins as one of your lead baby faces again? Well, before I jump to, to Rollins, just real quick on the interviews, I, I want to give some credit to, uh, uh, to Bella over in the locker room. As you regularly point out, this presentation here, it very much screamed UFC and how they might want to present things to Fox. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and they're making so many of these little changes that feel that way. I really think that they're going to make a play at this Fox thing, man. But to speak to Seth, I, I think this was, this was designed for him. This was his moment. They really needed something to reestablish him and remind people. This is Seth freaking Rollins. I mean, this guy yeah. used to be able to go. He was carrying us for, for a year and a half. This was our main man before that injury. And yes, he's been kind of just, you know, just wasting away in limbo. But hey, he can flip that switch and turn back into that that main event player that we need. This was his showcase. I know we're going to get to his elimination a little bit later on. One of one of the things coming out of this match that I did enjoy, it gives you an out for Rollins at the chamber because he tweaked that knee. Yep. He yep. was limping really hard when he came out of there. So they've, they've got that story to work going in. You know, he, he could be on fire in that chamber in one little move, tweaks it again. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm so spent on this knee story with Seth Rollins. Like, can we, can we do like an arm story or something? Because it's just, when you know that there is a legit shoot knee injury that he has had to re- rehabilitate twice now, when you default, just go to the knee story. Cause it's not just now it's literally like every match that you see Seth Rollins in for the last year and a half. It's always a knee story. Always. Can we, can we do something else? Please. I, I, I very much enjoyed Seth's performance. I, I think Seth Rollins should be one of your top two, three guys on the raw roster right now but he's been stuck in this damn tag division and doing the shield reunion and chasing the tag titles with Jason Jordan. It's like Seth Rollins is helping get everybody else over. It was like, this was finally Seth. We're going to let you get over for a change instead of helping to get Roman over or Dean over or Jordan over or Kurt over. They finally are like, okay, Seth, we're going to let you do it. But, you know, we're not going to do it on Sunday. I, I, I very much expect Seth Rollins to be the first one out of the chamber. Is that is that what you're thinking? Or do you think we're going to get a, a good Seth Rollins run inside of the chamber before Roman finally puts him down? Since he pinned Roman on Monday. 
Well, kind of, you know, if we kind of have to look at where the the pieces fall in the puzzle, because we know Elias won't be entering until the very end. Right. Uh, we will have. They did confirm that we will have three competitors starting this match. Yep, it's going to start off triple threat style. So I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that that he ends up being one of those first three. Do you think he survives uh, for a while, or do you think he's out pretty early? I'm going to say he probably goes out first or second. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. Kind of where I am, too. Um, I feel I feel like Rollins and Balor are kind of interchangeable at this point. That's, that's who I also had on mine. But, you know, it also comes down to where are they going to have – how do these guys factor into each other's roads going towards WrestleMania? Yep. We know what else are we going to build here, and that's and that's another thing that that I did like about this match. We got a few different teases, uh, there, you know, like there was Balor in in Rollins had a little bit of eye contact when when Rollins was exiting. Yeah, didn't like that at all. I wasn't a fan of how they how that went over, and I especially didn't like how commentary put it over with the sign of respect. Yeah, uh, I'm Baylor, I'm not showing any sign of respect because this asshole keeps curb stopping me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I did notice. Uh, just just as a side note, speaking of the curb stomp, this week it was not referred to as the blackout. It was simply referred to as the stomp. Thought that was interesting. Um, so then. Elias comes out. Elias puts Seth out of his misery. We get the Rollins promo backstage, which I very much liked in it when he was kind of a, a little bit frustrated and basically saying, yeah, that was great, but what the hell did it prove? I still lost the fucking match. You know, it's about wins and losses. I like Seth actually putting that over. Then we end up with Elias versus Finn, and I felt like this is where the match and the crowd kind of died. It seemed like they were super into Roman versus Seth. They were into Seth and Cena. They were still kind of into it because of Seth and Elias, because of Seth still being there and the run that he was on. Once it was Elias and Balor, after Balor's entrance, that crowd went. And this is where I think that where they really should have been mixing up the entrance in this match. Now, if you're going to keep kind of what you got here, I think you would have been better off instead of Elias getting that pin on Rollins. He doesn't need this thing right now. I, I think you would have got, you would have seriously, you know, you, you going from Cena versus Rollins, you would have kept that crowd hot. If you go with Rollins versus Baylor Yep. and let, and let Baylor get, get away, get something back on him. I mean, Rollins has had his number. And I don't understand. I don't understand what what the fuck they're doing with Balor or the club at this point. Like like Balor Club in general. I don't know if they're babyface. I don't know if they're heel. I don't know if they're just. I I have no idea what in the hell their characters are at, at this, this point. You know, well, we we've heard that rumor that they just see Finn as that next generation Dolph Ziggler, someone that they can that's going to give you a great match, that's going to be your workhorse that you can just slide in when needed. And now we're getting uh, reports out that even with the end of the brand exclusive pay-per-views, they are going to, when it's not one of the majors, we're going to see these, an influx of multi-person matches, especially tag matches. Mm-hmm. Well, what better way? Let's just make sure we throw uh, Valor Club back together 
so that we can always go back to them whenever needed. And then if we don't have anything for them as a group, they can just go their own separate ways. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Finn Anderson and gallows are all on that creative has nothing for you right now list. Right. And, and, and Finn's here because yeah, he does. He draws reaction. He has his fans. Yeah. You know, this is supposed to draw some eyes on here. I, I think you put, you put Finn in this spot against Rollins. You keep this thing going. Uh, there is no really shame in Rawlings taking the pin from Balor. I mean, you've got this history Not after between being in two. there for 66 minutes, especially. That's, that's what I'm saying. And I think that's a better rub for Balor, who gets a bit of redemption and has pinned an actual star. Yep. Elias didn't need that pin right there. Yep. Completely agreed. Um, I'm, I'm very torn on Elias at this point because the act is super over. The promos are super over. And then he starts wrestling and nobody cares. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with Elias. And I don't, I don't really know what in the hell to do with that. The other thing about having Elias and Rollins in there is they look so similar it looked like dad was just beaten up on his punk ass kid. I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of missing on Elias here. Well, see a lot. Of, I, yeah, if you got points, you can, you can bring them up here, but these from, from Elias first Finn on, I can pretty much just group all these together in my conversation. I, I didn't like any of the placement. I didn't like how any of these talents were really treated and handled in this match. I don't think it did anything for any of them. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. You end up then with Balor versus The Miz, which is a program that I would absolutely love to see. We did have that tease there. You know, I would I would absolutely love to see that as a program going into WrestleMania, but I just I don't necessarily think that that's the direction that they're going. And then you have Miz versus Braun, and the, my my issue here was why does Miz even want to beat Balor? We all know that Braun Strowman is going to be the next person out. If I'm the Miz, fuck you. I'm not even getting in the ring. Well, you know, immediately in our live discussion chat, before this match even got going, you know, just, you know, moments before the show was to go on the air, you know, you were involved in this week's chat. I, you know, immediately I'm like, well, doesn't logical booking say Miz blows this match off? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. he just, last week was just telling us, how he doesn't have to use he, – he doesn't have to measure up physically against you know the likes of a, a Brock Lesnar or anyone else because he has his brain and he's willing to do anything and everything to prove that he can go over and, and become you know the universal champion. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I, I loved him jumping Balor. I thought that was freaking genius. And, and it protected Finn in the booking with the distraction from the, from the Miztourage. See, now for me, if – if you're going to have him show up here, uh, to me, I would have loved to have his music play. And I, I loved it when you saw – I thought that maybe they were going to do that. When the Miserage came out and they were just going to be like, no, nah, he isn't coming. This isn't worth his time. The, the big match is on Sunday. Yeah. But I guess maybe maybe they didn't want to go that route because then that blatantly comes out and tells the fans, like, why are you enjoying this? This match is fucking stupid. Right. Okay, so so you go the route of, of Miz going with his underhanded tactics to try to get this win here. Why, why Balor? I understand that's, that's your luck of your draw on this thing. But if you structure it properly, I would have loved to have seen him somehow screw Braun out of winning this thing. 
That would really nice touch. Really fuck. Well, and here's how it, I would have had. I would have had in the middle of that match, Elias and Braun and Miz comes out and and not and obviously not a pinfall, count out, DQ, something along those lines where Elias gets the credit for eliminating Braun. We've got those tie-ins going on. We got Miz now showing he is using his brain. He is willing to do anything. And instead of putting Braun over in this thing, now you're back more to you've pissed off the monster going into what you are selling is one of the most destructive matches in professional wrestling history. Yep. Yeah. That would have been way better than what they ended up doing. Uh, so Miz goes over Balor. Then you're left with Miz versus Braun. I think this rules out Miz versus Braun at WrestleMania, at least for me. Well, I, I thought for a little bit, but, but then you have the post-match where Braun's just decimating them. Hey, and let's be honest, the match between these two, the Miz got more offense offense in on Braun than Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that's true. He that's was working true. his ass. He he was it was like it was Roman Reigns out there going toe to toe with him. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the the actual layout and the booking of the matches, regardless of the finish, is just Well, odd. and this go and this is what goes back to, you know, people are praising, oh you know, we had two hours of great wrestling. As I was saying before we got going here, when you step aside and if, if you study and you're learning from those individuals that live this thing and you try to see it through their eyes, no, there was there was a ton of holes in this thing. You know, going back to Cena and Rollins, you know, just the, the, the way they were changing their punches. You know, they, they at first, I mean, they're just dropping each other, but then they go down to where they can do a uh, blow-by-blow exchange for two minutes. Yep. I mean, what fight works that way? Uh, th- this is the thing that really irritated me about this show. This was probably my biggest irritation on this show. If you are the WWE and you have to sell a fight, who is the number one person that you want cutting a promo? Paul Heyman. I mean, let's remember, Elimination Chamber is for the right to face his client, Brock Lesnar. No Heyman on this show. Okay, well then, obviously, the big money promo is going to be cut by The Miz. You get a promo from Roman Reigns, you get a promo from John Cena, a promo from Seth Rollins, a promo from Elias, a promo from Finn Balor, a promo from Braun Strowman, and the best person in the building on the microphone, you don't give a microphone? To sell the goddamn show? Really? Who, who came up with that bright fucking idea? That was the, my biggest irritation on the show. You get all these promos and nothing from The Miz. The one guy who could actually talk people into buying tickets or subscribing to the network to watch this goddamn show. Well, you know, it, I, I love your, your suggestion there. You know, you need someone out here, on, especially on your go home, and it's not like, they just figured out yesterday that tickets aren't selling for this thing. Right, exactly. And, and there isn't really a whole lot of hype going into this thing. They've done a terrible job building this. If this is the direction you're going to go, you're going to run this match out there for two hours. You've got another hour to really hammer home why people should be invested in the Elimination Chamber event. How cool would it have been if right after this match we come back from break and you have Paul Heyman there in the ring 
he is putting over, even for us, you know, for the naysayers that are out there, he's putting over of what an, what an amazing match that was that, that these gentlemen just days ahead of head, heading in to the most ruthless, dangerous, destructive match in the history of WWE, that they would be willing to come out here just out of pride to prove themselves to the competitors that they had the edge going in. No, he's putting over that aspect. And they're, they're, they're doing all this for a chance to take on his client, Brock Lesnar. He would put over every one of these talents and let you know why every one of these matches... Paul Heyman could convince you that Elias versus Brock Lesnar puts Brock Lesnar at a disadvantage. Well, hey, furthermore, would I go there? Let him run down this thing? Sell all these individuals? Why they... Hey, why? This is why you shouldn't just believe that Roman Reigns is going to win this. This is why this makes sense. This is why this could be a good match against my, you know, against my champion here. But then I to get some, get some, you know, some real interest going in this event. I'd have him come out and say, you know what? I want to see who really has it. I'm going to be there firsthand. I've just struck a deal with Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon. I am going to be sitting in coach's seat on commentary during this match. Yeah, there's, there's a million things that you could have done to actually build the chamber, and they didn't do any of them. I'd add him on commentary. And then on that show, you know what I'd really do? I'd tease before this match. I'd have real quick clips, maybe him walking into Ron's dressing room, uh, maybe him asking for a meeting with Asuka. Really tease some, some people and get some intrigue to really heat up this road to WrestleMania. Speaking of Asuka, let's – uh go over to uh, the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex. Softer. Prettier. Which is going to be incredibly short this week because there's not a whole lot of women's stuff to talk about on this show. I mean, you have this Oscar promo, which why are we putting a microphone in Asuka's hand six days before a pay-per-view when you're trying to build her as a monster. You just make her look like a freaking bumbling idiot. She looked, This was a terrible promo. It was absolutely fucking terrible. And then you have Nia Jax come out and lay out Asuka because, you know, 50-50 booking and Asuka's undefeated, so the only way that we can actually do that is to have somebody get over on her in a promo. Then we get the Rousey package, which was good and hilarious all at the same time. And then there's the women's six-way, which, what is there to even say about that? Except, as I'm looking at these ratings, this third hour, which is focused on the women, all right? During our break, me and you got the ratings in for this week. Raw drew a 2.21 rating. That's higher than the last two weeks. And way above the 10-week rolling average of 2.13. The gauntlet match, which was basically the first two hours, so that makes the ratings way more interesting. First hour viewership, 3.518 million. Second hour, 3.509 million. Then you get to the third hour with all this women's revolution horse shit. Evolution. 2.821 million viewers. Got a new buzzword, evolution now. Yeah, whatever. It's all horseshit. So the average drop-off from hour one to hour two is about 153,000. This week, it was 9,000 because of that match. Dramatic change. 
the average drop-off from the first to second hour has been about 119,000. So this week was way smaller than that. And then you get to the drop-off of the first to third hour, which was 697,000 people. 697,000 people turned this show off knowing that the third hour was going to be focused on the women's evolution. Yeah, and there is no there there is no way around that. No, that's exactly no. what it was this week. 697,000 turned it off because they didn't the get only, The only things we knew going in that we know going into elimination chamber for this week was the men's match, the women's chamber match, Oscar Jacks and Rousey. Yep. So we spent two hours getting one of those things out of the way. So we've got one hour to do to hype three more things. And they advertised the women's six way all night. It's not that they didn't advertise it. Everybody knew it was coming up. People just did not tune in to see it. Well, you know, just the, I guess the real quick to, to run through what we had here. You know, Oscar, million bucks with, with, the, uh, with the entrance and the look. You throw it all out the window. You flush it down the toilet as soon as you give her that microphone. Yep, absolutely. Uh, then you says, you said, you know, with the world of 50-50, we got, we got to have the the same thing we've been seeing from Nia to jump from behind. Hey, you know, at least I guess one thing to her credit, uh, they figured out something to do with her hair this week. It wasn't as hideous <laughs> as we've seen. But anyway, you know, this interaction between these two, not that it was a lot of great intrigue. You know, for me personally. Uh, I went from maybe, you know, from a scale of one to 10, maybe interest level of four to like into the negatives now. I have, I have no desire for this. Well, and now the other thing with the uh, Naya and Asuka program going forward is they actually give us a little bit of insight this week that if Naya Jax wins, she will be added to the women's title match of Asuka's choosing at WrestleMania. So if Asuka chooses Charlotte, you're left with Asuka, Naya, and Charlotte. So what was the fucking point of the Royal Rumble? Asuka has to beat 29 other women to get her shot at WrestleMania, and Nia Jax has to beat Asuka. That's the narrative well, here. No, I know it doesn't make any sense. I guess one of the reasons I have no interest, I, I just, I don't think there's any way in hell they put Nia over here. They're just trying to. Once once they up. put that step on it, I don't think there's any chance in hell Nia Jax is winning this match. Yeah, but I think without the step, there's no way in hell you can even promote this match. That's true. It's a joke of a match. It's a throwaway. I, I'm not sure why they went this direction, but they did. Well, I know why they went this direction because they don't have anything else on this damn card. So anyway, uh, they actually. They actually took a great deal of steam away from what they had building between these two. Uh, the thing on Rousey, you know, my thought was, where the hell? You're right. We, it was a at the end of that promo package. It was, you know, those fears that we've been talking about for weeks that they are going to book her as a fucking mark. But where were these things the last couple of weeks? Why, why are we just seeing this now? You know, it was a, for the most part, it was a nice little package. Yep. Yep. For the most part, it was a. A very, very fine package. The problem is, why do we care? I don't, I'm not going to tune into Elimination Chamber to see Ronda Rousey sign a piece of paper. It's just not going to happen. You should have been doing this. Well, the Rumble was a month ago. So we should have had four weeks of little sit downs with her, 
her explaining why a move to WWE is so important, why what she wants to accomplish here, why this is the next step or evolution, if you will, from UFC, why WWE is the bigger deal, why she should be feared and respected, what her goals are in this division. We should have been building up to this. There's, this should be a much bigger moment. But, you know, they, they've already wasted that there. So there really is no – there's no interest going into this contract signing. Like I said, I mean, this is going uh, – they're going to be really careful when they place this on the card because this is going to be a bathroom break. Yeah, absolutely. And then the women's six-way, uh, this is everything we've seen. I guess the only little bit of a story we get here is at the end, are Mickey and Bliss going to work together? Uh, come on, people. This is just – this is just like slapping the stipulation on the Asuka and Nia thing. This is just trying to add a, a little extra flavor to this chamber match because these two need each other. This is going to be Bliss going over on Mickey and Mickey disappearing until after WrestleMania, essentially. The the thing that I am finding almost hilarious at this point, I'm, I'm quite convinced that Vincent Kennedy McMahon listens to our show. I'm quite convinced of this. And now he is trolling Jersey Mike with this Sasha and Bailey thing. He's just putting them in every match that he can possibly think of. And Jersey keeps telling maybe tonight, tonight's the night that Sasha's going to turn heel and go after Bailey. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. No, or it's time to face the hard truth. They're just getting laid out because nobody gives a fuck about woman five and six on the roster. They're good helper hands and people still mark out for them. So they'll keep them around, but they are not important or good enough to have earned a better position within the company. Well, and the worst part is, and we've talked about this a little bit off air with, with this one brand or the one pay-per-view a month thing. Now, any hopes that you had of Sasha and Bailey on a pay-per-view card at this point, it's just not happening unless they end up doing like an all women's pay-per-view card, which I would not put past them at all. If they would go the route of treating it, as we're seeing with other things, you know, like a UFC style where it's not the same talents each, each month. We see different championships highlighted. I've been saying this. I think this could be a hot lower card program. And let me, let me reiterate that. I mean, lower card program for those people that just like to stop and throw it out there. Well, Rick said this could be a hot program. No, I, I, it's a lower program for those with comprehension problems out there. This is, it's a bit, it, this could play out very nicely on television. It could be something great for their fans. And then, hey, you know, maybe it slides into one of these, you know, where they where they ha- where they need something on a lower card for if they're giving people pay-per-views off. Main event yeah. of the pre-show. Well, I, I don't even, you know, right now where you're building, I'm not even sure. It, it is definitely in a one-on-one, Bailey versus Sasha is not making the WrestleMania main card with with other priorities in the women's division. Yep. I'm not even sure if it's a pre-show match. They could slide it on there. Cause I mean, we've got seven hours of WrestleMania to fill, Yeah. but I, Hey, I, I'm still, I'm about 50, 50 on what direction they're going. I, I still think we're going to get a four way with bliss, Jax, Bailey and Sasha at WrestleMania. So the only other thing really worth talking about on this show was Titus worldwide versus the bar. Once again, Titus and Apollo don't call him Cruz getting over on the bar. 
is this going to get added to Elimination Chamber? Or are we going to get Titus and uh, Apollo versus uh, Sheamus and Cesaro as a cooldown match somewhere? I'm looking at the card here. I guess it hasn't been officially announced. But I, I maybe, I don't know if I was dreaming or if it was just a strong rumor. But it, it looks like this is going to happen, but it's the announcement is being played out and will be happen over Facebook live. Oh yes. God, they, they just... so, so that's, that's, that's a big announcement here, which is really, which is strange to me is even on the raw preview, they were really teasing the revival in this spot. Yep. Right. I'm wondering, I'm wondering maybe if they throw all those teams in there at some point, well, I guess, or we're, we're probably going to get another, Gallows and Anderson versus Revival added to this thing. Because we, we also did find out is in a passing uh, mention that we are going to have Woken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. So as of now, we have four matches and one feature announced for this for this show. So you add in the tag champs and then that other tag match that gets us up to seven things happening at this event. That sounds that sounds more like a WWE card. Yeah. I that's Kind of what I expect. To I'm guessing you, you probably put Revival versus Gallows and Anderson on the pre-show. Uh, you add in the tag championship to give you five matches in the Rousey segment, and that's your show. Damn. Anything else that you wanted to comment on Raw? You know, the, the biggest. This has been a hot debate. You know, was this a good show? Was this a bad show? I think it was just a show. It, it didn't do anything. To, to sell what it should be selling, and that is the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. It was an episode of Big Bang Theory. It was a good episode of Big Bang Theory. That's, that's very much what I took away from Raw. Then there is the black hole that is SmackDown Live. And they did a lot on this show. This actually felt more like a go-home show than Monday Night Raw did. And you we know, still you, have weeks to build up to. Well, I was going to say when you when you mentioned that in the open, I immediately went over. So you know, how far out are we from this? Yeah, we still got two episodes of SmackDown Live to go. Did uh, this not feel like a go home? home? And that when you mentioned that, it, it really did. Uh, they and I will give them. I'll give credit where it's you know credits due. They really went overboard to to put over the five competitors. In this uh, fatal five way. Yeah. Uh, I, not that I didn't have some issues with the show because of course I did, but yeah, this, this felt like the go home for fast lane and we're still two weeks out. Oh, I've got some major issues with this show, but you're right. You know, in, from a WWE standpoint, this, this felt like, Hey, we're, we're ready to go for this event. So the show kicks off with the, uh, AJ styles and Renee young promo. Do you even want to comment on that? Because it was not one of the better AJ Styles promos that I have seen in the last couple of years. And 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 right over here, come on, walk with me, Renee. No, no, just cut, just cut your fucking promo, dude. And and it, it's it's all in how he's being scripted right now, how he's being scripted and how he's being produced. It's just so bad and so Every, cheesy. Everything with AJ on the mic, and you know, and he, and this is. And even with Renee trying to help him, you know, guide him through this thing, he's got to be two minutes and under. Yeah. Yeah. Give him 90 seconds and he's gold. 
outside of that, everything he's done on the mic since being sucked into this black hole of what's going on between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon has been horrendous. I mean, he has been absolutely terrible. I mean, it's it's almost unbearable. When you see him with the mic, it's it's hit mute or change the channel. And that is a terrible thing to have to say about one of the greatest professional wrestlers on the face of the planet. Yep. So Styles runs through all of his four heel opponents at uh, Fastlane. God, I can't even keep straight what shows were on or what show is coming up. Thank God we're only going to one pay-per-view. As he runs everybody down, out comes Baron Corbin, who is even more so cringeworthy on the mic to me. Uh, my, my problem with Corbin, it's not even what he says. Number one, fuck you, Phoenix, for hitting him with that what chant because that was totally not necessary there. And then he actually changed his pacing after the what chant, which just screwed the whole fucking thing up for me. But Corbin paces while he's cutting promos. Have you noticed this? It's like a nervous twitch that he like paces back and forth and kind of bounces around while he's trying to find his cadence. And it drives me absolutely freaking crazy. So then you end up with Styles and Corbin cutting promos on one another. But finally, Baron Corbin says, hey, AJ Styles, I got your number. Which is what I've been saying ever since Styles won the title that I completely expected Baron Corbin to be coming for that title because Baron Corbin has AJ Styles' number for one reason or another. And once again, they do Styles versus Corbin on this show. And it was a fine match. But they put Styles over. Corbin no longer has Styles' number. That was the whole fucking story. You really expose that. And you could even go further. You could have been building uh, Corbin ever since AJ won that thing. You know, his story could have been, you know what? I'm the one guy who's got AJ Styles' number. Well, then you play into it. That he, you know, just because, you know, they do play off of missed opportunities for him. You know, he could have been using, I don't even need that case because I've got the champ's number. Yep. I'm the one guy that can get him. That's your whole narrative going, especially into this five way that, you know, Barrett could have been playing up. Hey, AJ, you're out here talking that you don't even be out. You don't even have to be pinned to lose your title. Well, how about I just could make you a deal. I will pin your ass to win the title because I got your number. Yeah, I mean, that's the the, the Corbin I want to see. I want to see Corbin come out and be like, I don't care about Dolph Ziggler. I don't care about Kevin Owens, and I don't care about Sami Zayn. I'm coming for you. It's me and you, and I got your number. Yep. That's one wolf mentality. Okay, all right, so we've got two more weeks for that. Well, of course, now that's all out the window. Yeah, because you put Styles over Corbin. Like, damn it. You You actually had something going here. And you fucked it up in the span of two hours. There we go. Uh, and then this thing, if it wasn't already off the track for me, I, I kind of might have just been listening at this point to what they had going on. Hey, he's good on the mic and all that. He's, he's going to add some flavor to it. But introducing Owens into this thing did absolutely nothing for me. It was like, oh, now let's extend this thing another five to seven minutes. I, I, I thought they were going to do a triple threat on this show. That's what I thought they were going to do. I, 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 and then I figured that next week you would get a triple threat between Styles, Zane, and Ziggler. That's that's what I actually expected them to do, but no. So Owens comes out, starts running his mouth, and of course that brings out 
Shane fucking McMahon, who makes the match of Owens versus Ziggler. And that match starts right now because we have to screw over Kevin Owens. Rick, this shit has been going on now since October. Like, what is the fucking end game here? And can we please, for the love of God, just get on with it? That's how I feel about SmackDown right now. Well, I think it's how a lot of people feel like SmackDown. You know, the thing is pretty much uh, just hit rock bottom with its numbers. You know, it's holding steady, but it's very, very low. And it's to the point. I don't even, I don't know if it's just because Mondays are just so routine for, for what, you know, two, like two and a half decades. Yeah. uh, That you have to be there. I, I don't see any reason that Tuesday is must. CTV, uh, I just very effectively, you know, I, I know we, we record on Wednesday afternoon. I get up, I come into my office. Uh, I turn on the computer that I record with you on so I can have the extra screen there. And I have SmackDown playing off to the side. I, I pick up everything that I need from that product. And I guess, you know, to, to, to do something off or to seal something off of, from Russo at four times. You you know what they're saying, what they're doing. And it's over and over. It's just tiresome. Yep. Owens versus Ziggler, I thought was a fine match. I mean, but it's just, again, you're left with two heels fighting each other, or at least we think they're two heels because Ziggler once again comes out with the record scratch, the music hits, he's got his hair down. He's working baby. But he's acting like a dick, you know? So it's like, what, what what's going on with Dolph Ziggler well, we're, here? We're not and really sure where he's at. It seems like you were saying, you're like, when they hit that music, they're trying to get that pop to show he is turning. And then even AJ gave him that baby rub in his promo. Yeah, he's the show-off. He's a multi-time champion. Yep, absolutely giving him that rub. But well, I do want to mention, you know, the end of that match, though, uh, and, and Strangler Steve King brought this up over, over in the locker room in the Hacker I mean, media group. And this is something we've talked about before, but he just mentioned today, so it's, it's fresh in my mind. How stupid it is that during any entrance, you know, when either you're on the microphone or you're in the match, when that music hits, that the rule is you must, like, uh, fin freeze. Yeah, yep, yep. As soon oh. as the music hits, everybody stop doing what you're doing. Well, this Dolph was in the middle of running the ropes, and he just stops. Yep. Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense, man. Doesn't or make even, you know, any like when sense. they're on the microphone, no matter what you're saying, music hits, and you like you just stop like mid word and freeze. Yep. Yep. So I guess really the only other development here is Cammy is back together. Did we ever really think that they were apart? Well, I, I guess, I guess there could be a bit of intrigue there. With the way Sammy presented himself, I, mean, I, I think we both are, are going to agree where this is going, what this is setting up. But to have him come out and say, "Hey, you're the one that gave me this new fire. I want to repay you. I'll let you, I'm going to let you know that that I'll do the job for you at Fastlane, so you can become the Universal cha- or become the WWE World Champion yep. or WWE Champion. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know what the hell to call the goddamn. I, I know. Belt there's, so, there's so many belts that have been flipped around. But yeah, but essentially, Sammy tells. KO, hey, I'll, I'll take the pin for you so you can become the champion. Yep. Yep, that's kind of what I'm expecting too. And we know this is going to be, this is 
yeah, and I think it's probably what you what you've been regularly saying. This is the beginning of Ko's baby face turn, and he has the potential to become one of the biggest babies in the company. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. People will rally around Kevin Owens. I'm not really sure why, but they will. I've seen it happen before, and I didn't think it was going to happen then. And I saw it happen, and I went, "Wow, how about that?" So let's let's go on to the uh, U.S. title picture here, because the black hole has officially expanded again, Rick. Now we have AJ Styles and we have Baron Corbin and we have Dolph Ziggler and we have Kevin Owens and we have Sami Zayn. We have Daniel Bryan. We have Shane McMahon. And now we can add Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, and Randy Orton into the black hole that is Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. They've been looped in now as well. All because of this stupid fucking top 10 list that never changes. They showed us the top 10 list the first week, and it's been the same top 10 list every week. What, what well, you know, what's the since, fucking point here? Since its inception, you know, we were wondering, it, it really served no purpose other than what we knew it was going to be to drive incredibly lazy booked storylines. And that's exactly what we're getting here. Yep, and that results in Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode, and Randy Orton, and the menage a trois that is. And of course, you know, Shane thinks one way and Brian thinks the other way because that's the narrative that's being pushed here. And this is all obviously leading to a triple threat for the United States title, right? Uh, Well, at this point, they have officially announced as a one-on-one, but I am fully expecting within the next two weeks that Mahal will be added to that match. Yep. Uh, currently it is Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton. And speaking of Mahal here, this was probably the most absolutely cringe worthy segment that, that I have, that I can recall in some time, you know, he comes out, Oh, I got something that it'll shake everyone down to their core. This is so disturbing. I mean, this is like some, some spy gate shit, you know, like, like he's got some information that the Russians have leaked out here. And it ends up being Bobby Roode's own top 10. And then within a bat of an eye, Bobby Roode comes out and is like, no, that's not mine. Okay, okay, you're right. That wasn't. <laughs> and it, it, it's Jinder Mahal, number one. I haven't said this in a, in, in a while now. But can we please get Jinder Mahal a glass of water? Jinder Mahal really needs a glass of water. And Jinder Mahal needs to learn how to pace himself on a microphone. It is fucking terrible, man. It's just, it's not even asking for what chance because you could say what, however, perhaps, am, like all this other shit, all at the same time he pauses for so long between words, not even between sentences, just between words in the sentences. I don't understand what is going on with Jinder Mahal. If we're just burying Jinder Mahal. I mean, now they even signed Mahabali Shira. Maybe we can team them up. Mahabali Shira and Jinder Mahal versus the Usos. There you go. That's my SummerSlam prediction right there. Then we have the women's six way. 
And finally, Charlotte versus Riot is official for Fastlane. I, I'm so sick of six women tags on SmackDown, man. I have seen every combination of all these women so many times. And it's Charlotte. Charlotte could hold that title until the day that she decides that she wants to retire at this point, if that is the women's roster that they are going to give her to work with. Uh, at this point, you know, just like the U.S. championship, I, I don't care about any of these programs currently. Uh, this is this is cruise control. Uh, we have not had Charlie acknowledge that she could potentially be taking on Asuka at WrestleMania. That, that, that could potentially become a triple threat. Uh, there hasn't been any mention of, you know, as Charlotte is the, the alpha female of the entire WWE women's division, uh, you think she would have some kind of concerns and takes on Ronda Rousey signing. This is just wasted filler. I saw a six-women ma- six match the night before. I honestly, I don't care. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yeah. And it's a damn fucking shame that we feel that way about a goddamn Charlotte match. Like, at least we should be able to talk about how great Charlotte was in the match. And it's just filler. It's just there. New Day versus Stellar Nebula. What's their stupid ass fucking name again? I think they dropped it. It was going to be like tag tag team of mass destruction. It's I'm going to be honest with you on this match uh, again. Uh, this is going to be a running theme. I really don't care. I, I, I can't believe that the New Day went over on these guys. Yeah, so once again, we're left with New Day versus the Usos. How original. Uh, again, this seems more like filler to me. Uh, I think the only thing that's kind of intriguing here is in this entire tag division, it's just simply for weeks now, the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos just... Uh, and now the Bludgeon Brothers just passing New Day. Like, they don't seem to care about anything else. They're supposed to be these, you know, these just destructive forces. Yeah, the Bludgeon Brothers are still fighting jobbers. How long have these guys been around now? Three months? You know, you're really looking at this. I, I if They're going to start restructuring. And I, I'm not necessarily sure that the end of the brand split is the way to go. But, you know, if you're going to restructure how you're looking at your pay-per-views and, and you're going to start going more towards a UFC style production. I, I really wish that they would make some subtle changes where instead of having split tag in women's divisions, just make them exclusive. Yep. Yep. I even, uh, last night I was talking with Jersey. I would even entertain the idea of doing a all women's show on the network, very similar to two Oh five live. If we're going down to one pay-per-view, because that's the only way that you're going to get all these women airtime. Cause right now you've got like 19 women on the roster and there's going to be like best case scenario room for about four on pay-per-view. If you, if you want to keep these women around and you want to keep this women's evolution thing going, I think it's time for a show like Shine or Stardom, something like that, on the network to where you can take all these women, throw them in there. That doesn't say they can't still be on Raw and SmackDown, just like, you know, the cruiserweights are supposed to be on Raw. Oh, wait, it's two weeks in a row, they haven't been around. Well, I think that's been working out fine for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I guess I guess I could get down with that. There's uh, That is a, I mean, that, that would be a great conversation piece 
on its own for a later date. Uh, maybe something that we look at next week because there's a lot. There's a lot to it. There's a lot. To there's it. a lot of in and in and outs that I would like to explore before I would, you know, give approval or disapproval towards a certain project. Now, I guess just off the very basis tip of you know just coming first to my mind, I'd be okay with something like that being a separate show on the network. But then take the women's division and make it exclusive. I, I don't know. So let's say SmackDown, and then you can highlight your top four given talents at a time on that show. Yep, just like they do with 205 Live. Well, no, not like 205 Live. Don't give me the crap where you try to run out an eight-man every week or you got a whole end or a Zoe train that's a stable that's half your roster. Yeah, there is that. Actually, give me the real story that's going on on SmackDown or Raw, whichever that brand might be. And then then you also – and that's not to say that – you can't show highlights and, and at times feature the other talents. Hey, you also might want to check out this show for these talents. Yep, absolutely. But, but don't make it into a giant. We have to parade everyone out there and just show this terribly spewed you know, promotion of why you should be doing it. It needs to be treated seriously and presented on, you know, in the right fashion. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the only other thing that I really wanted to comment on when it becomes – were when it regards SmackDown, um, you remember when uh, Rusev was the most over guy on the roster? Yeah, how, how about Shinsuke Nakamura? You remember when he was the most over guy on the roster? Oh, the Usos, they've been doing really well. Remember when they were like super over and everybody was into them? The fashion police, the fashion files, you remember all that? And everybody was like super into it. It was like the, the highlight of SmackDown there for about six months. Yeah, none of that was on this show. None of it. Well, I think, you know, in, in the case of the Fashion Police, it, it jumped the shark a long time for me. I think it's run its course with, with a lot of men. It's, it's just... Oh, at this point, absolutely. But, you know, it doesn't help that they haven't done anything with it for about six weeks and they shipped it over to the network and instead of actually airing it on SmackDown. And, and, so, and somewhere, Zack Ryder is, is laughing. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the, the Usos, Nakamura. Jesus Christ, Nakamura won well, the fucking Royal Rumble. I, I was going to say, you know, you got the Usos involved here. They're still your champs. They're, they're still, you know, arguably your, your most talented tag team in, in the entire company. The problem is that your entire tag division, the state of the entire division is so piss poor that, that even them missing is, is a non-concern. Well, and, and here's the thing that I just don't fucking understand. The dark match before the show was the Usos versus Rusev Day. Well, and if you go right into Rusev Day, again, that go, that comes into, if you fly too high on your own, they're going to clip your wings. I, just, I don't understand why these acts that get hot would just take them off fucking TV. Like, Rusev Day right now is at the peak of its popularity, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't fit into the black hole. I, I exactly, and that's the fucking problem. If they would have went with the fashion police, you know, like six months ago, maybe they wouldn't be off TV, and maybe nobody wouldn't care anymore. If you keep Rusev Day off TV for too long and you don't go with him, people aren't going to fucking care anymore. This did you see? Did you see? He actually did tweet out. Uh, what did he send out? I'm just paraphrasing here. I, I had it open earlier and then closed it out. But you know, he sent out, uh, it, in case you've missed me, or 
If you missed us the last two weeks, don't worry. The chants have been duly noted. Or, and thank you for them. Yeah. I, it's just absolutely ridiculous why we're not putting this shit on TV. When it gets hot, go with it. Could you imagine? Could you just imagine going back to like, you know, shortly before WrestleMania 13 and Austin really starts getting hot? If Vince would have just taken him off TV for like, you know, two months. Because, you know, that wasn't the plan. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? Well, and then, yeah, I guess the biggest one here uh, is, is I was kind of deleting as we go through here is Nakamura. I mean, this guy just won one of your most prestigious matches in the company. He won the right to headline WrestleMania. And all you have done since then is tell me that somebody else on the other show is going to main event WrestleMania. Well, and not, and not even that, but he doesn't even get anything here. No. Uh, you, you have to be able to find ways to highlight his strengths here. Instead, they parade Nakamura out in the dark match after 205 Live. He was in the dark match with AJ Styles as a tag team in the dark match after 205 Live. Hey, and I, I know you've got five individuals gearing up for a WWE Championship match at Fastlane. Uh, there's a sixth individual that has just as much at stake here. Yeah, don't you think Nakamura would be, you know, maybe just a little bit interested in how this match is shaping up? Maybe just just a little bit. But they're doing nothing with him. I just, I don't understand. But yeah, the black hole that is SmackDown Live. We're up to about half the roster of SmackDown Live now. Well, hey, hey you know, with the black hole, even if, if, you, if you had to include Nakamura with this, I mean, couldn't and you, and you want to protect him on that mic? Would it make sense to maybe work in some spots with Shane and Brian trying to persuade Nakamura? Hey, man, you might be the next champ. You know, you are the contender. You're our representative at WrestleMania. You should be. This is what I want to treat you better. This is why you should be listening to me a little bit more. I mean, at least you could have that there. I'm not saying that's the best possible story, but that is an avenue to get him involved. I mean, you could. Even There's ways you can make that interesting. The what you could have Shinsuke Nakamura on camera for literally five seconds a week, and it would keep me happy. I just want to see Shinsuke Nakamura come walking up to AJ Styles backstage and say, "I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania," and then he can leave. That's all I need. Just give me that at least. They really didn't have a whole lot invested and built up in this Rumble. It was selling on, hey, it's the Royal Rumble. That's why you should tune into this thing. Oh, by the way, we have our historic first-time-ever women's Royal Rumble match going on. They were hoping you just buy into it. They, they didn't have any real vision, so they said, hey, let's give the Smarks what they want. We're going to put Nakamura over in this thing. He's going to take on AJ Styles at WrestleMania. We'll make them happy. And then later, the Smarks are going to come back and crap on it because it isn't the Wrestle Kingdom match. Yep. Yep. I, I guess you always ask me if I got anything else I'd like to add. I'm going to beat you to the punch here. You know, we keep talking about how more and more individuals just keep getting sucked into this black hole. What do you think the, the payoff is finally for this Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon is a big multi-person team match at WrestleMania? Oh my God! Is that being rumored? No, I just thought of it. Oh. I, I just, I and 
And, and once again, for those individuals out there that, that can't, that have trouble comprehending sometimes what we're saying here, this is me putting myself in creative shoes because we're getting, like you said, you know, we're up to like seven or eight people involved in this thing. Yeah. My God, if this, and, and, you know, and we, when we keep hearing, you know, all the big matches rumored outside of Nakamura and Styles, everything else involves Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they going to start putting these SmackDown guys? Yep. Yep. You know, I got to thinking about something the other day when the uh, reports have come out of uh, Ziggler's new contract and the amount of money that Dolph Ziggler is making. And I think, you know, somebody made the point, well, why would you do that? And my immediate response was, you know, sometimes a team will sign a player just to keep a player away from somewhere else. If that's kind of what happened with Dolph Ziggler, because I think Dolph Ziggler could have made some good money over in New Japan, especially with his look. If that was in ca- the the case and what happened here, how much money is it going to cost them to keep Daniel Bryan? Because how much money do you suppose Daniel Bryan is worth to a company like New Japan or Ring of Honor at this point? I think that absolutely plays into the booking of WrestleMania because Bryan said we're going to know by WrestleMania if he's going to be cleared to wrestle or not. And if he's not going to be cleared, I don't think there's any amount of money that they can offer him that's going to keep him there. That's going to be one of the more fascinating stories to watch kind of unfold the second half of 2018. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Rick and I will be back in your ear holes this weekend with a very special Hitting the Marks Hacker Hameen crossover episode uh, as we break down Elimination Chamber and... Hopefully we have some Twitter announcements of other matches and some things that we can uh, talk about a bit more in depth than we have here. Then, of course, we will be back in the locker room this coming Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com as Rick and I will be uh, talking Monday morning, breaking down all of the excitement, hopefully, that was the Elimination Chamber. Uh, be sure that you visit our boys Ryan and Michael over at thegorillaposition.com for your daily pro wrestling needs as they tell the stories of professional wrestling storytellers. You can find Rick and I with the uh, Hitting the Marks pages over at Twitter at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. You can shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does the cat daddy find you? Well, as always, you can find me across all social media at the real RBV. I guess what I've really wanted to hammer home uh, as we get ready to close this thing out. Hey, you know, over at, on Facebook, the Hacker Hameen Media Discussion Group, man, we are getting ready to kick off a huge elimination chamber extravaganza. That's going to get going uh, the 22nd. So just after uh, post show post here, we're going to get going uh, that afternoon on Thursday. This is going to run all the way through Monday, the 26th. You know, Friday, we've got the locker room with Ben Hamid and Stevie Richards. Saturday morning, it is our wrestling flagship program. It's the Impact Attack with Ben Hamid and Big Ray. And then Saturday evening, you're going to get a very special elimination hype and preview uh, with, with your boys here. In the Hitting the Marks, it's going to be a crossover special between the two platforms. Jargo and I are going to be back with you there. Then, of course, on Sunday, you got the Pro Wrestling Reflection podcast going on. Hey, then Monday... Jargo and I are back at it again, and, and I, hopefully we're going to be joined by Big Ray, who usually does the uh, the wrap-up shows. We're going to talk every the, all the fallout from the Illumination Chamber. The reporter Let's, of the people. Of course, of course, the reporter of the people, Big Ray Hernandez. 
Uh, also going on this weekend for our big Elimination Chamber extravaganza, hey, we've got the the finals of our best of the best uh, fantasy tournament going on. We got some uh, be the booker uh, fun features. We got fan polls. We got some hot topics, and of course, we've got the Elimination Chamber and the Raw viewing parties and the Elimination Chamber Pick'em Challenge. Uh, so you want to head on over to Facebook, the Hamid Media Discussion Group, to uh, jump in on on all the events and festivities season two episode eight hitting the marks in the can we'll talk to you this weekend for now we're off like a prom dress see ya Crunch your fingers label me i don't give a f- Violet!